I have your attention, please? Good evening. You're listening to Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. We thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy another exciting episode of our show. Episode of Straight Talk with Dana Mar. It's the six man Dean Geronimo, and as always, from NJ to NC, I'm in the studio with my right hand man, Mark Lee. So, Mark, tell me what's good in your neck of the woods, my brother. Well, you know, everything is super quiet here in my neck of the woods. That's like I know they're quiet in your neck of the woods as well. I don't know if you're practicing this new concept called social distancing, but I have learned more about Zoom meetings than I've ever wanted to know since I had to attend or be involved in about uh, a couple of those. They did one Zoom meeting that involved some studies around uh, what they're going to do with the Fayetteville Street Corridor and uh, kind of like I'm calling it almost like an anti-gentrification study, so figure out what the people in that area of uh, Durham want to do with their community and uh, how they want to improve their community and things of that nature. So we had, um, I got a fellowship for that and um, I had a meeting with my other fellows as well as the leadership that was putting together this uh, study. So I'm going to have to do a SWOT analysis and some other kind of things along that line. So I was going in on my uh, call and that was a uh, two and a half hour Zoom training. And then a young lady called me who's doing a uh, thing about resistance and um, resilience and uh, phoning home and things of that nature. So uh, she's doing this piece that's got some people that have been on our show, like Daryl Stover and some others that she did interviews with. So she did a Google interview, with, Google Hangout interview with me about that on uh, okay. Friday evening. And then my friend Shree, who's over there in the New York area, had his uh, conference um, that was originally supposed to be a live conference at Faith University, but they made it an online conference. So I attended some of those workshops and some were online. So I was able to go back and listen to some of the seminars that I might have missed but watched some of the seminars live and attended some others. And then uh, Christ Central um, has been doing their service, the church that meets out of Haiti online. So I've been checking, I checked out their online service uh, last Sunday and then this past Sunday as well. So uh, the last two Sundays, and looks like they're going to be doing that for at least a few more weeks. Uh, so they're, like I said, folks are trying to follow the uh, guidelines that the CDC has placed in place. I just actually uh, caught a bus earlier today and, They've got us entering from the back, and Durham buses, at least for right now, are fare-free. So, you know, got on there with a little bit of groceries, and uh, got in, didn't have to pay any fare because they're doing different things in different places as they're trying to do different things to lock down what they're calling this German. I've made the mistake, I don't know what the heck I was thinking about, of trying to catch <laughs> a couple of these uh, press conferences from that orange man, and I've decided that if, if I did think he was crazy before, after watching a couple of these press conferences, I'm pretty much sure that he's certifiable. You know what? I'm not even watching all of this stuff, man, because you're not giving us all of the information. All of you telling us is how many infected, how many died. How many have recovered? You know what I'm saying? 
give me all of the information. Give me more than just stay in the house to slow down the spread. Give me more information. I'm not one of those people that's going to jump just because you say jump. I wasn't born that way, wasn't raised that way, and definitely not going to be that way. I don't really care about the other part, social distancing. I haven't, and I'll say it just like this, I haven't fucked with a lot of people (laughs) for a long time, so being by myself doesn't bother me. Being with my wife and my family doesn't bother me. What bothers me is it's like, well, go inside to keep it from spreading, but you're not telling us how it's transmitted. You're not telling us ways to combat it other than wash your hands. You should have been doing that long, a long time ago. So now you're saying, oh, it's all these cases, and every time it's an update, you talk about more cases, and you talk about the people that die. What about the people that recovered? What about the people that are false positive? Give up all the information if you really want to be informative. You know what I'm saying? Don't just give me half and expect me to, you know, that's like giving you a meal half cooked. And it looks done on the top, but once you dig down inside of it, it's not finished. So give us all the information. Unless you're holding the information back because you have an ulterior motive. And at that point, now we have another problem. And, yeah, I'm beginning to wonder some of that ulterior motive stuff as well. I mean, today he came down talking about that he was going to have a lockdown on people that apparently are hoarding. But he said, as he said, I'm not talking about people that are hoarding on the uh, household element or, like, you know, going into the grocery stores and buying up whole packs of toilet paper. And I've had several conversations (laughs) with several friends of mine. I still do not understand the whole concept of what you're supposed to do with all this excess toilet paper. But he's talking about people that are hoarding toilet paper and masks and things and like factory environments. And as I think uh, the attorney general said, they might be expecting to knock on their doors. He said, we're not going after the people that are doing it in their house. But apparently he's talking about people that are doing it in the corporate level. But it's also interesting watching how sometimes <laughs> things change even in the views. Cause I mean, at least a couple of times he was calling it the, um, you know, the Chinese virus. And then I think that he realized that people were, not, you know, attacking our Asian brothers and our Asian sisters. And even though it might have started in that country, that did not mean that they created it or that it was have to be blamed a whole nation. So oh. he kind of backed up on that and he started, like, you know, <laughs> going kind so of got- anti... He, he backed off of this kind of anti-Chinese, anti-Asian talk. So I was, as I was okay. watching, it was actually watching on uh, Facebook, and I don't think they were airing the uh, NPR thing, but people were making Facebook comments, and a lot of the comments were like, he must have been had some advisors tell him, you know, you might want to chill on this because <laughs> these folks are part of our world as well, and you might want to chill on trying to target a whole population. Okay, so now I got a question then. So by that same train of thought, shouldn't it have been that way when you talked about Zika and, uh, you know, West Nile and and what was the other one? Um Swine flu, you know, all of those different things, Ebola, you know, so, uh, never mind, let me shut up, because I guess it's preferential when it needs to be, you know what I mean, but that that makes you think, if that's the train of thought, then somebody was probably thinking that we were out here and the creators of all of those different uh, illnesses too, huh? <laughs> yes, I mean, you got to remember, Jen, they've always had different kind of contexts, the way that folks have both have done this and that. I'm thinking about how even when we had the AIDS crisis, and in one of these conversations, he was talking about right. how 
I think he said within eight years, it's supposed to be totally eliminated in a number of cases of AIDS or whatever. And I do know that the disease can definitely disappear. I mean, when was the last time there was an actual case of polio and things of that nature? So I'm not saying that that's not impossible. But remember when it first came out, they were talking about that, that it was the same kind of thing. Science had gone wrong, and they were even trying to put it on the African continent and things of that nature. So this is not new for government officials to try to put it on some other part of the world or even some element of the world, whether that's, you know, a lifestyle, whether that's uh, people or whether that's uh, ethnicity or whatever. This is not a right. new strategy. Governments around the world have been doing this forever, it seems like. <laughs> and they won't stop. And I guess fear controls everything. But, you know, you got you got some people that are um, – some people that say, you know what, we're going to live and we're going to do what we want to do regardless. Like here in New Jersey, the governor got mad because you say, well, you can go visit family. You can go to the liquor store. You can go to the convenience store. You can go to the pharmacy. You can go to the uh, grocery store. You can go get your car fixed, but you can't be outside. <laughs> Some people say, you know what, <laughs> we'll do what we want to do regardless. And for those people who make that choice, hey, that's their choice. You, you you know, like I said, without all of the information, for me, I don't really care. I'm chilling in the house. I'm relaxed. As long as I got electricity, the roof doesn't cave in, I got something to eat. I don't have to see nobody really for a long time if I don't really want to. But I, I understand I feel, it. But the, and I guess you, if there's <laughs> – I guess there's a good thing about this is the fact that certain institutions, which we know for a fact, have not been all that positive in the way they treated certain people, particularly certain poor people, have had to put a uh, moratorium or put like or either they've had to because they were ordered to, or in some cases they decided to do it on their own out of their own goodwill, and maybe some people would say their own uh, ethnic um, barometer and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But I know that here in Durham, Duke Power has said, don't worry about your electricity bill for a while. We're not going to be charging you anytime soon uh, or, you know, during the height of this crisis. I know there have been, as we've talked about before, these whole things about not mm-hmm. paying, uh, having to worry about your rent and things of that nature. Now, I just see one person that said that, you know, if the government really wanted to uh, really look out for folks, they would do what you said. They would, like, waive these fees for this time and basically be like, right. look, not only are we not going right. to charge it, but it's waived. You ain't got to worry Don't about it. Don't worry about it. This right. time, it, 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 it's forgiven, <laughs> and they were even suggesting that you forgive several things. Forgive electricity. Uh, oh, yeah. Still send the check, oh, yeah. but forgive electricity, forgive rent, and still send the check so that, you know, groceries and the things that you need to get out and about, you can get with that money. But they would like to as far as the utilities, whether that's electricity or whether that's water, whether that was even some people suggesting because as we are learning more and more with this thing, putting people into isolation is also making us more dependent on things like Zoom and things of that nature. So a lot of people are winding that right. had offices are now doing their offices out of their house. So if that's the case, then I would argue that probably, uh, you know, in our case, it'd be Spectrum, but some of our Internet providers need to be doing that same kind of thing and be like, look, we ain't charging y'all no bill for Internet this week because we know that that's the way that y'all communicate with the world. <laughs> It would be nice and and see what what is interesting is people are losing their jobs now, so now what's going to yeah. happen when this 
all blows over. You know, sending me sending people a little twelve hundred dollar check to me is not enough. You know, you want to forgive something while they're out of work. Take away those bills, like you said. Take away those bills that, um, yeah, we don't expect you to pay. Give me the deed to my house, but you know what? Forgive those months of rent from the time you said stay in the house. So some people can't go out and earn a living, which means no check, which means now all of these things, they have to either rely on you forgiving it or stay on your capitalistic thing, and then they'll get put out and now they're homeless. What do you do? And, and, you know, that little bill that Mitch McConnell pushed up, wanted to protect businesses. Man, the hell with the business. Without the people, you have no business. So here we go. The BS is starting already, but they mask it with continuing to show you the number of new cases of this virus. Oh, this person died. They were 90 years old. Well, you know what? (laughs) Shit, I hope to make it to next year. So if I make it to 90, I mean, you know, when I look at it like that, you're telling us this, but then in normal fashion, what you use, what you have were used to doing, you don't do it anymore. So you don't show us the faces of the deceased. We don't get to see those now. You know, used to have them all on TV. He was a well-respected so-and-so, and you got pictures of all these people. We haven't seen one person yet, but you told us 400-some people have passed from this. What's the yeah, cause I, mean, it, it, I don't believe. I mean, and when we you see know, and when we see the people, they are not blamed for that disease. Like I said, we just had the famous and well-renowned. I was a, a big fan of the gambler. Kenny Rogers just passed away, but, you know, they just right. said that Nobody that was said not related to Kenny this. Rogers they said it was that, he just passed. You know what I'm saying? He passed. Yeah, it passed. was his time to go. But that became secondary to all of this BS. Oh, People are uh, governors are mad because man, you know what? Nah, legend passed away a couple of days ago. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, but you keep telling me these other people with no names and no faces have died. I'm not believing that shit until you you give me some tangible proof. That's like telling me the sky's falling, and until I wake up and walk amongst the clouds, I'm not gonna believe it. You know, and, and it's just it's just a a lot given at one time, and I believe the intention is to control. But hey, we got three people at the door, bro. <laughs> well, I was hoping we go. I thought I heard the bell ring. I knew we were gonna have some folks. Yeah, the That's the great thing. I love having we, folks at the door because that means we're gonna have some good conversation. <laughs> and everything before we get to the good conversation. And speaking of folks living a long time, I do want to give a shout out. We've mentioned her name a couple of times. Sometimes in the positive light, sometimes it wasn't always positive because she was definitely involved with what Bruce Bridges who was one of our guests, was talking about with the property that he had. And, yes, uh, Ms. McLaughlin might not have done, uh, in some people's mind, the right thing in getting that property that uh, they that she had been renting to him for a number of years to have that historical uh, no books and everything. But no matter what people may have thought about the way that business was handled, and I'm not going to say whether I thought it was handled right or wrong or how what my own personal opinions are at this particular time, but Ms. McLaughlin, as of I believe it was this weekend, turned 103. So uh, no matter what people nice. may think of her, I think it, it demands great uh, commending to make it to 103. I used to live just 
down the road from her when I lived on Cecil Street, and I've gone by there recently. Uh, uh, you're gone by with a friend driving by, so I've not seen her in person, but I know as of, I want to say maybe the latter part of last year, I did see her in person, still very vibrant, still very much out there, still talking, and was still talking as much junk as anybody that I know to you and everything, and it's 103, and, you know, personally, I won't be surprised if you don't make it to 153 or something like that. You know, I know that the odds are against that. You and bodies don't usually make it that long, but the way she acts, right. the way she's got her attitude, I'm not going to be surprised if it don't happen, <laughs> if I'm fortunate enough to make it to where I'd have to be to be in my hundreds to get to her 153 if that was the case, but I would not be surprised if she made it, but she is definitely deserves some uh, accolades for doing that, being a pioneer in business, because she's definitely been involved in the business community for a number of years in Durham. So I just want to give a shout-out to Miss McLaughlin for turning 103. Ain't nothing wrong with that, bruh. And also got to give a shout-out to DJ D-Nice, DJ Casper, Ninth Wonder, DJ Premier, my man Storm Known the General, everybody who's done, uh, I would call it a club quarantine set, where they played the music, they're on their Instagram lives getting it in. I think D Nice is doing another one right now, and uh, Ninth Wonder's doing one tonight. Also, Mad Skills, he's doing one that's well, just started a few minutes ago. So, you know, you want to hear some good music, want to vibe out to something, click on Instagram, pick your room, have a good time. You know yep. what I'm saying? So, shout out to yeah, all of you for room. doing that hey. as well. Yeah, and I gotta give a shout out along those same lines and then we'll definitely get to our guests. But there have been some great concerts that have gone on. I know that Shauna Tucker, who is a friend of mine, along with a pianist that she knows, they did a concert yesterday, an hour long concert from their living room to the public and they did it uh, using the power of the internet. North Star Church of the Arts, which is actually in some ways was a living tribute because when they first started it, Phil Freelon was living and it was kind of a living tribute to him, even though they knew he was fighting that devastating disease and that he would eventually pass away. But that was almost like a living tribute to him while he was living. They did a uh, concert uh, around various musicians and everything. And there were some great musicians. Sinclair Palmer was part of that. I believe Shauna might've been part of that as well. Definitely all part of that was a uh, camera I think it's Cameron Thomas, if I remember correctly. Risha Palmer, who we've had on this show, she was part of that. So there were a number of just amazing musicians that, uh, you know, tried to practice that social distancing while they were playing. So they, you saw them trying to keep their distance. But at the same time, they were able to get a, a very fancy concert that lasted for a number of hours on and was uh, used as a way to, you know, get folks out there. So it was great seeing our artist friends. I mean, a lot of them are struggling, and they're trying to find ways to make some income and trying to find ways to support themselves and everything. And there are people that are helping them as well. But it's also another way that if you're sitting in the home and you're tired of watching the umpteenth rerun of whatever movie you've been watching or the umpteenth rerun of the TV show, or you're really tired of watching the umpteenth rerun of the 2008 Mad Madness, because, I mean, March Madness, since there is no 2020 March Madness, these are more current updates that you can get into and check out. Yeah, indeed. So, you know, life still is going on, man. We're just doing it a different way. Maybe we're doing it back the way it used to be way before all of these uh, different things, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. It is. 
So who we got at the door? And it's one of them, a uh, young lady by the name of Miss Jones. So I think I wanted to start with her. So tell me you who know, we got at the door, and then what? That I couldn't tell you because the only thing it's going to show me is the number. I can tell you from who came in the door first. We can let them in that okay. way, you know. But other than that, it doesn't give me, unfortunately, our screening doesn't automatically screen and give us a name. So. Well, let's just go. Let's just go by the way they came in the door. So whoever came in the door first, <laughs> and we'll go from that way, and then we'll uh, bring in the various conversations. We might hear the door ring some more times too. But let's just go yeah. for whoever came in the door first. Okay, call of phone number ending in seven one four five. Welcome to Straight Talk with Dana Mark. Tell us who y'all and where you're calling from. Hi, my name is Nicole Jones, and I am the executive director for Divine Girls, and I'm calling from Columbia, South Carolina. Hey, I was hoping that was you, Nicole, so uh, I actually got my wish, Gene. That's the one that I was hoping would be the first caller and everything. So, uh, Nicole, uh, this is Mark on the other line here. So tell me a little bit about Divine Girls and what y'all are doing. Are y'all having as much issues in terms of being in lockdown there in South Carolina as we are in North Carolina and, of course, as Dean is up around the New Jersey, New York area. But just uh, let folks know how you're doing in general and particularly in this day and time that we're in and also about the whole program that you have created and how it came about. I know that my friend Derek Drakeford was involved with it in the Purpose University and what he created, so I know you definitely want to share a little bit about what that was about and how it helped you guide your path that you are on right now. Well, first I would like to say hi, and (laughs) I'm doing fine. Um, My business is sort of impacted by this whole um, social distancing and everything. Um, um, I'm still working, but there's a limit of uh, people that what I do, let me just start with what I do. So Divine Girls is a nonprofit organization. Uh, The business is Oh, sorry. Uh, the business is based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we do workshops in North Carolina and South Carolina working with uh, teens in homeless shelters and young women and also foster care agencies. Uh, so my workshops, they consist of um, changing the way that we think. And um, so I have material there. I have a whole... Um, curriculum that is outlined for my um, girls and my young women that I work with. And um, I also have a book. So I'm an author as well. Yay. Uh, The book is called (laughs) Being a Teenage Girl. So in the book, I kind of talk about three things that I struggled with as a teenager as myself. Um, Identity crisis, which is trying to fit in and building character, which uh, stems from teenage pregnancy myself, and finding my purpose is what I'm doing now, giving back. So I can thank Derek Drakeford. I hope he's on the line, too. Um, He has Purpose University, so he kind of helped me um, migrate toward things that mean most to me. And he actually was the person that encouraged me to write my book, so my book is actually a gift to the girls that I work with. 
Yeah, and it's such an important topic these days and times. I mean, even before the coronavirus came around and everything, we know that gentrification and things of that nature, which we've talked about on this show with a number of guests, including some from around the New York, New Jersey area, some from North Carolina, some from California, some from just around the country and around the world, the gentrification has been going on for a number of years, which means more and more people are finding themselves in this situation of having to – I hate to put it this way, but we're finding more and more people that are being either homeless or on the borderline of being homeless. So I imagine that even before this was going on, you were finding that you were getting an increase in people that were being wanting to learn how you were able to help both yourself as well as to help other kids and other teenagers and young adults. Yes, absolutely, and I love, love, love what I do. Um, I don't do this full-time. This is actually my baby. I call it my baby uh, because it is my purpose. It is what I want to do, but hopefully um, as time progressed, it's been about two years since I've had the nonprofit, so it's very, very new, but um, hopefully I can do this long-term, and I will. I would like to do it full-time, actually, instead of doing it part-time on my own uh, free time. But everything that I make, all the uh, I do work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So I have a job like everybody else, but the money that I make, I basically put it back into my organization because I, I honestly love, love what I do. And what are some of the things you've learned just in terms of being the one that created this nonprofit and just in terms of how you've been running this business? What are some of the things that you've had to learn that surprised you and some of the things that you are still struggling with and some of the things that you would like other people to help you with as you're developing the company. Like you said, it's a fairly new company. So uh, the first question is what are some of the things that you have learned and what are some of the things that you would like people to help you with as you're continuing to develop your company? Well, the first thing I would say that I've learned um, everybody has a testimony. I've learned that um, someone's struggle may be worse than yours. As I mentioned, I had several things that I spoke about in the book, and uh, working with some of these uh, young women and teen girls, I've found that um, they're actually, they give me hope. They are what keeps me going. Um, I do struggle in certain areas because I'm a mom, and as I said, I'm a a teen mom, so um, I have two teenage daughters as well, so... um, there is not a manual when it comes to parenting, kind of learn. So, and so um, I instill the same values in my daughters that I instill in the team that I work with. Um, and it was another question that you asked me. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just asking what are some of the things that you, in terms of help that you might need yourself in terms of the organization, what are some of the help? that you might be asking the public for, that you might would like to have them help you with as you're creating the company and further developing the company? Is there any certain, like, items that you're looking for help with, whether that's help with grant writing, whether that's help with whatever you may need help with in your organization? Yes, grant writing is definitely something that I am interested in. I have a few uh, LinkedIn followers that um, reached out to me as far as grant writing Um I, I will say I am familiar, but not really. So I probably would need someone to assist me on how to get started in uh, writing grants. And my books, like I said, are I purchased them by team. So maybe 
if I'm if I'm looking for as a standpoint of a community, as far as a community, maybe um, coping with buying the book because the book is a part of the curriculum, the life skills curriculum that I have uh, written out. So that's actually the gift for them, but it goes to the curriculum. And what are some of the life skills that you're finding that are you're really able to teach these kids about? So, like, if you could, I mean, and I know it, the course probably takes many hours and many days, but if you could just give, like, a little bit of a synopsis of what the what they learn when they are learning from you. Well, um, mastering the art of decision-making is the, is what I, what my curriculum is built on because if we change the way that we think, then we could change our outcomes. So prevention and planning is one of them, and as I said, critical thinking and maintaining emotional emotion uh, connections and things of that nature, which is probably becoming even harder to do in this particular era that we're in when everybody's trying to encourage social distancing. But it's been really interesting. I've heard several people say that they didn't want people to get it confused because some people, when they hear social distancing, they think that they're supposed to be distancing themselves and disconnecting from people. When, when what they're really saying is social distance yourself in terms of your physical proximity. So my friend Shri likes to call it, he's like, they're not really telling us the social distance because if anything, we need to actually connect more with people as we're going through this crisis and everything. Because he's like saying that, that the terminology may be a misnomer is the way he's describing it because what they're really asking us to do is social physical distancing where we're actually separating away from the people because of what they're concerned about with the terms. Yeah, the social distancing part, um, as I said, for me and what I do, that can be a little difficult because I'm actually with the girls that I'm working with. Um, and right now, you know, it's more of calling and talking to them and helping them through whatever it is that they may be going through sometimes. You know, um, I'll get calls at maybe at 6 and 9 o'clock at night, and, you know, they're asking me about when I'm going to be in the area, when I'm going to do another workshop. But I'm really close to them, and I think uh, this is like a um, – in this era that we're living in is basically social media, and I have to get better at that. So. <laughs> the only thing yeah, I have – more uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. – I'm not on – uh, Twitter, I don't have Facebook, I don't have um, what's the other one, Instagram, I don't have any of it. So, but, you know, I do have school. We have school conversations or we right. might do video uh, So it's, it's a little bit, it's a little difficult because of what I do, but I just try to do the best that I can to stay in contact with them and talking them through that whatever it is that they for. And that makes a lot of sense. And how many clients are you dealing with? And, I mean, are the, are the young ladies that you're dealing with, and is it all young ladies or are you dealing with a combination of young ladies and guys? I know it's divine girls, so I imagine it's all ladies, but um, I imagine also because of their relationship you may have to have some dealings with some guys every once in a while. So is, are the primarily the issues that you're dealing with having to deal with, like, teen pregnancy, or are you also finding that you're having to deal with kids that might be getting involved in gang stuff or drug stuff or things of that nature? Well, I deal with uh, 
teen girls uh, and young and pregnancy is definitely on the uh, that's 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 very sensitive for me, and so that's why I try to catch them before they get to that point. But I don't omit the young women or teenagers that are pregnant. I ran into some guys. Um, actually, I've had several people on my LinkedIn family that were men and had children and wives and that uh, read my book and found that it was uh, very helpful. So I run actually my ministry is not specifically for men, but I deal with boys. Yeah, definitely. And when you've had talked to these friends of yours that have read the book and everything, and if you could tell our listeners um, how they can get the book and also how they can reach out to you if there's like a certain website or things of that nature, and also um, what are some of the lessons that they have really told you that they really enjoyed learning from you and what you've been doing? Well, uh, my book is available on Amazon and um, also barnesandnoble.com. And, again, the name of the book is Being a Teenage Girl. And um, most of my girls are teenagers that have experienced the workshop. Um, As I said before, it stems from changing the way that they think. And so it keeps them from going down a path of destruction because somebody and not judge them and help them where they are. Because, you know, I'm meeting these girls where they are. Some of them are not teen moms and some of them are teen moms. So this workshop has had an impact on these girls because I still keep in contact with them. Talk about school. And how long, about workshop, how, how long did the workshops last and how many students would you say you reached out to so far? Workshops last, um, the total hours is four hours. And um, I have, you said how many students? Or how many students? Yeah, how many students, how many students have you reached so far since the time you've been doing the workshops, would you say? I'll say about 50. Okay. That's a good amount and everything. And still reaching out to more and more on a regular basis. But on average, how many are in each workshop? On average, it's about Maybe 15. Okay. So 15 on average, and you've reached out about 60 so far. So you said that you've done the workshops in both Charlotte and in your hometown. Are there any other cities that you've done them, or are you looking at doing them up and down the East Coast? Are you looking at doing them nationally? Um, what What is the goal for the workshops? Well, right now I've only done them in the Charlotte area and also in the Columbia area. And my right. long-term goal is to do take it abroad, uh, not just only in the Carolinas, but other places as well. But it's just me right now. Um, so, oh, I, so I have my business. I represent my business. So right now you're a one-man shop. You don't have anybody that's helping you in terms of, except for your LinkedIn family, that's helping you in terms of like the PR and things of that nature. It's basically a one-woman shop, but you are hoping to eventually grow into a bigger shop where you're, not just doing the workshops yourselves, but you're helping other people and you have a staff of folks. At least that's the goal, if I'm hearing you correctly. Absolutely. That is the goal. That is definitely the goal. Cool. So if you're still on the line, I definitely want to see who else is on the phone call. 
and everything, because I think I'm expecting, I'm hoping Derek calls in like he said, and I'm also hoping to have a young lady calling in Mark from Lee. California who's done a lot of, huh? Is that Derek? Mark Lee. How you doing, sir? Hey, Derek. Derek's on the line. <laughs> How are you doing, Derek? As you can tell, we're involved in a number of things. I know you've been involved in a number of things for a number of years, including the Purpose Driven University, which I understand that uh, Ms. Jones went through that Purpose Driven University, and I've known you to be a business advocate big time here in the Durham area. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on, how long you're doing the Purpose Driven uh, seminars and things of that nature, and how you're coping with all the madness that's going on in the world right now. Well, first off, I just want to tell you thank you for what you do, Mark. Uh, and you have been a music and entrepreneurship and community connoisseur for decades, but thank you for your struggle, brother. Oh, no problem. Glad to do it, and you're right been doing it for decades and many years and going to try to continue to do it as long as I'm able to. Uh, So listen, I think Nicole is one of the best examples that we've had come through Purpose University. Uh, She's a single mother. She works full time, but there's something in her spirit that says my life is bigger than this and my purpose in life is bigger than this. Uh, so what she did was she took our class, PUR 501, Finding Purpose. Uh, the class now for COVID-19 is actually free. Oh, well. The class, the class is free because we want people to stay home and take the class. <laughs> and you can get the class on the mobile app Purpose University. It's in your app store. It's in the Google Play Store. And you can also get the class on the website learnpurpose.teachable.com. So learnpurpose.teachable. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, as you're saying, I do want you to continue with the website and everything, but I'm finding that more and more people are probably trying to have a grip with what their purpose is because of the crisis that we're in because I think more and more people are – well, uh, you hate to put it this way, but it, it's not the first time that a crisis has happened in the world. Maybe it's been a number of decades since we've had a pandemic, but uh, it's been not other crises that have not happened around the world, whether it was 9-11, whether it was whatever that has happened, Katrina, whatever. And a lot of times when these things happen, that's when people find themselves having to redefine themselves. And I think that that's what a lot of people are having to do right now is redefine themselves, redefine how their work is being done. Like you just talked about the fact that y'all are doing it free right now, but a lot of people are coming into the houses now and having meetings in the house because they, they don't want them to go to the office. I mean, that may change eventually if we go back to the old form of economy. But I've talked to friends of mine even talking about the university model. And they're talking about, like, the academic, like, college model. And they're thinking that this whole thing may eventually just change that model even because there's some people in that world that are theorizing that the day of the going to college in the traditional college way may be uh, coming grinding to a halt. I don't know that I'm ready to radicalize it that far, but I have heard that theory out there that we may see even more online kind of education and things. So I was just wondering what some of your thoughts were along those lines as you've been watching what's going on. Because one thing I know about you, Derek, is that you're an observer of life. <laughs> you know, Mark, I think that, that you're right. I think that just like we had a post-9-11 world, you're going to have a post-coronavirus world. And 
as far as what my mission is and what I want people to be doing in this time is to take advantage of the silence. You know, our lives normally are really busy. Right. And it's so, it's so busy, we can't even hear our own spirit. Mm. Uh, but the rare people like Nicole and like yourself who are doing their purpose in life are people who can hear the busyness and the noise of life, but they can also hear their spirit and say, let's do it. Yeah. So I think the reason we moved the course from $99 down to free is because we want more people in this time to do what their spirit is telling them to do. Uh, help more yeah, that makes a, yeah. And that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah. We are seeing more people that are doing things that are helping people on a regular basis. And you're right. It's, it causes people to even observe um, what's around them. Because, as you know, and I've had this conversation with you in the past, definitely had it with Dean, my co-host. I try to observe even what's happened around Mother Nature. And I was actually having a conversation with my dad, who's a well-known artist and an advocate of people around the community as well and has been doing it even longer than I have, um, since he's going to hit the big 8-0 later on this year and everything. But even in the conversations I've had with him, he, we were, I was made to the observation that because we're all being driven inside and because that opens up the world to Mother Nature, Mother Nature is not blind to that. Because like I was, as I was telling Dad, I know it, it even happened today when I stepped outside for a hot moment. You know, before you step outside, you see a bird, what's the first thing a bird does? Bird flies away. Birds now, they're like, they, they know that you only go be out there for a limited amount of time. So they're, they're actually like chilling. They're not like running away. Or if they run away, it's like just a little short hop. They're not like scampering the way that they used to do because they also observe what's going on and see what's going on. At least that's one of my observations. And I made that point to him. And he was like, all right, you may, have, you may be on to something because I just stepped outside and something similar happened to me. Well, you know, I think even more importantly and what we learn from meditation is that normally our lives are so busy we don't see the bird. Right. That's very true. <laughs> uh, but now because we're observing more, we see the bird, we see the trees, we, we hear the breeze, we see the bees, and and God is allowing us to show, see the beauty of nature. I did want to say this because I heard your co-host a little earlier Saying that I think he thinks it's a, a hoax, and you know I just want to make sure that we're all being responsible because even if it is a hoax, I, I don't want you know I don't want to die thinking it was a hoax and oh, oh it's not a hoax you know I don't want it to be uh, <laughs> where we're encouraging people to think it's a hoax and then they end up dying. Uh, and the, the the news person that I've been watching closely is Rachel Maddow, and yeah, uh, I know her recent show she f- featured some pictures and a story of a person that works for NBC, a black older gentleman who recently died from the coronavirus. Oh wow! His pictures there, his stories there, his narrative there, and as she's closing the, the her her newscast. She's crying because a person that she actually knew died from this disease. So, you know, I just want us to be cautious and cautiously responsible 
during this time that we're we're staying away from folks. No, I can I can understand that. I think Dean can as well, but I'll let Dean speak for himself and everything. But I definitely can see where you're going with that. And uh, I was actually the opposite, and not so much the opposite side of that, but the other thing that is going on, which I think Dean was also alluding to with some of the medicine, is that I was reading some Facebook posts and, you know, the person that's currently in charge up there in D.C. was uh, talking about this new medicine. And apparently there are some people that, he, and he's like saying it's doing wonderful, these tests are wonderful, the medicine is doing really well in the testing phase. But because he's giving it clearance and because he's saying it's doing well, there are some people that are seeing that as like a symbol to go ahead and take the drug. And there are some people that apparently have been dying because they're taking a drug and they might be overdosing on the drug. They might be not doing it in the correct way. So, I mean, it wasn't clear as to why they were dying, but it did seem like they might've been taking too much heed to what he was saying in the sense of these new drugs being good. And it wasn't coming from the scientists. I mean, I'm sure the scientists like, you know, Dr. Tony and them, they probably would have been like, you know, do it. This is the drug. This is where we're at. This is how we're dealing with it. This is what you should take if you're going to take it. And if it's a dosage amount or whatever, they would tell you what the dosage is. But because it was that person saying it, then we don't know the facts of what to do. And some people, you know, it's like cough syrup. You know, too much cough syrup can be deadly to you. So some people, they hear that they can take cough syrup. Some people get a little bit too happy with it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think many people are taking their their medical advice from a a non medical professional. Right. Uh, and I would I wouldn't recommend that anyone does that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Go with go with what the medical professionals have to say because they've been trained in this field and everything. So I mean, definitely. And I've heard some interesting things from the medical professionals. Everything from you know gargle um, hot drinking hot water. I think hot water with salt to some other kind of things that they are recommending that you can see on the CDC report in addition to the washing of the hands and things of that nature but and the uh, use of the hand sanitizer. So I can definitely see where that's going. Dean, did you want to have a comment to what uh, he had to say? Not right now, bro. I'm still listening, so give me a – I might have one shortly. All right. Give you a chance to think it through. Gotcha. No problem at all. But uh, tell them, uh, Derek, tell people how you and uh, Nicole got involved. And if Nicole wants to talk about how she found out about the Purpose Driven University, that would be wonderful, too, because I know y'all are not in the same area. I know you as being around this area and having some contacts with other parts of North Carolina, but she's in Columbus, South Carolina, so that's, you know, one state over. So how did she find you? How did you find out about her story? What was it about her story that attracted you to wanting her to be part of the Purpose Driven University? I'm going to let her take the lead on that one. All right. You want to take the lead as to how you found out about it? Yes, yes. Um, I found out about uh, Mr. Drakeford's Purpose University. Said I have a lot of LinkedIn followers. Um, At the time when I met Mr. Drakeford, I was in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. That's how we met. Um, we um, spoke briefly on uh, LinkedIn. He told me what it is that we do. Um, I talked about um, my purpose and, you know, talking in general. And we scheduled a time to meet. I met with him. I gave him my talked about my life and um, that is he told me to 
Turkish University, and I what he instructed me to do. After I took the class, uh, he helped me create the website, um, and then that's when he mentioned to me about my uh, writing a book that about my pain. And the book, I don't being a teenage girl, because that is where everything is at that point. And so um, I actually didn't want to because I'm really private. So when he told me about it, I said, no, no, yeah, no, I'm not. And uh, it had been spoken to me before about my testimony and writing a book. Uh, moving forward, I eventually did write a book and had the book just for my team. But uh, once the book was published, he purchased the book. Um, a lot of followers purchased the book. Businesses started purchasing the book. And I was like, wait, you know, people hear about my story. And so, um, again, like I said, it's not... Um, but men are not omitting the book. I've had uh, math and um, My book has been sold in New Jersey, um, New York, Minnesota, everywhere. And I might have a little book that's doing that later. Uh, when I'm not published yet, but I've been doing a lot of writing for my second book. So Mr. Drakeford is very professional. Uh, love what he does. He does a lot in the Raleigh area. I have sent people to him to help with getting the nonprofit started. So I really appreciate him doing that and what he does. Definitely, he's definitely so, done some amazing, done some amazing work in the area. Now, what? Um, tell us a little bit more about the book. Like I said, we talked about what you do with the workshops. But tell us a little bit more about the book. You said that the book, I guess, deals a little bit about your own life story. So, if you don't mind, share a little bit about what that life story. Is and what it is that makes your story unique, and and what why people would be interested in reading the book. Well, um, again, I said my book. Uh, in the beginning of the book, I talked about identity crisis. So, you know, being a kid, I was trying to find out who I was, and um, I had a lot of turmoil and pain in my youth, and so. Uh, I also talked about the building character. Now, that part is where the teen pregnancy came. Uh, religious family, um, although there was a term there, I've been in foster care, um, and um, I've been physically abused, you know, from the hands of people that said that they love me. So, uh <laughs> Not who I was. I mean, I was a teenager, right. so I was looking for love in the wrong places. And then, you know, I talked about uh, finding my purpose. That's what I'm doing now. Organization, divine girls, and I give back to the community. And it's very important to find your purpose. And sometimes we find our purpose later in life. I know a good friend of mine who actually advertises here because he has her own esthetician business and everything, I think that she didn't find her purpose until after she had gotten divorced and has like, um, she had four kids of her own and had gone through some abusive situations as well. And then she had also 
been um, those four kids have now had I lose track. He's got four or five grandkids, so um, he's got a number of people that he is responsible for and is now using some of that background that she had to educate people while she's working a day job because they are, apparently we're still buying cars because she's just recently got a job at a car dealership, so she's selling cars, but at the same time using her life story to kind of like help heal people. And she had not written her book yet, but I do know that she talked about wanting to write that book in addition to she's already put out an album, but she wants to put out an album that deals more with that and possibly some theater stuff. So I might have to put you and Miss Nikki Hall in touch with each other because uh, she's been involved in a number of things of this kind of purpose-driven life. So I think that I think that both of you, uh, meaning both you, Nicole, and you, Derek, that she might be a good person for both of you to talk with and share with and figure out ways that y'all can help others also. And Mark, yes. Mark Lee, I think Derek, it's also time for the Mark Lee book to come out. I would love to talk to you about getting the book out of it. We're doing it. And we can also do it. Uh, we can get my book out. We can get my dad's book out. We got a couple of books that probably need to come out, uh, including some books of my wisdom and everything. And we might just do a straight talk book. So it might be a combination of me and uh, my partner in crime. Uh, sharing some of our stories that we've gotten from this show as well. It might be so. It might be more than one book. It might be two or three books. Well, I, here's what I found in research. Right, I went to Chapel Hill High School. I had nothing but white teachers until 11th grade. I had my first African American teacher, African American wow. male named Mr. Williams. And he assigned, he forced me to read the book Narrative of a Life by Frederick Douglass. Uh-huh. And it, it changed my life. And I realized that day that people are overcome by the word of your testimony. Oh, yeah. You know, you can, you can read books on physics. You can read books on science. You can read books on this. But once people read the book on Mark Lee's life, it can change their life. They can see things uh, I did right. They might see things that I that I might have wanted to do different. Cause I'm not going to say that I've done everything that I wanted to do correctly either, because I'm sure, there's, as as you have had, there are, we have all made some turns in our life where we're sitting there going like, what the heck was I thinking? Like, I remember one time I went all the way to Miami thinking that, uh, well, actually with the Boca Raton, thinking I was pursuing a job, but there was a young lady in Miami that I thought I was going to be pursuing as well, not realizing that Miami and Boca Raton aren't exactly – as close as they look on the map. You know, and and that's what Nicole's book talks about. It uses her testimony to help young girls envision a new life. Uh, And, Nicole, give us the name of your book and where we can get it online. I've read it. It's great. Where can I get it online? Yes, please do that, Nicole. Do tell folks how they can reach you. So the name of the book is uh, Being a Teenage Girl. You can purchase the book on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Okay. So it's available on both of those uh, venues. And are there any sort of um, – this might be a question both of you and Derek. Is there any sort of video version or movie version or anything that you're working on that might share this uh, story on another platform? Because a lot of times people that have books, those books become, you know, Movies, they become TV shows. So, are there any other kind of venues that you're looking at to possibly share the book with? Woo! Uh, <laughs> right now, no. 
I will say no, and I'll and as Mr. Drakeford know me, I say no to everything. Not that it's not possible later, but right now. Uh, but who knows what the future is? Going to be. I know, but right now I don't have any. Like the future may have that in your future. Like you said, the only time will tell whether that comes about or not, but you may turn around and it may be in your future that that is something that is supposed to happen. And I'm sure that many people would be interested in hearing that story because while we know that there is definitely the literary community, we also know that this is a very much of a mass media community. So sometimes the story has to be shown on that mass media avenue as well. So we might have to find a way that it becomes, like I said, either a movie or a TV show. And, and Mark, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Derek. Mark, we do have some resources on video through our e-courses. Uh huh. So again, that's a free course. It's on learnpurpose.teachable.com. I've been blessed to write eight books, and we've turned those into eight e-courses with videos, and you can get them on that that website there. Cool. And to both of you, what are some of the things, you talk about a purpose-driven life, what are some of the things that, how would you define for both of you, both of you and Nicole, what a purpose-driven life means to you and um, to others that might be listening and are trying to figure out what we're talking about when we say a purpose-driven life, what does that mean to you and how would you go about creating that purpose-driven life without giving all the secrets of the book? So the book is free. The class is being offered free. So a lot of this they can get by going to the classes. We do want them to do that, but if you can just give them like a little bit of a teaser as to what they might learn. I'm going to let Nicole go first. All right, Nicole, you okay. go first. I'm I'm a little nervous, so I'm trying not to let that show. That's why I'm, I'm smiling. So I think I guess uh, one thing at a time, can you ask me what the purpose-driven life is? Yes. Is that asking? Oh. Uh, well, for me, um, the uh, the purpose driven life is what what it is that it's your ministry. It's the things that you come out of. So in return, call it your purpose in life is to use your testimony, being an alcoholic, telling people what it is to be an alcoholic and how to come out of alcoholism. My purpose. Uh, with me, it was uh, teen pregnancy among, you know, I've been through divorce and other things, too. So whatever you come out of, your testimony, that's your purpose. And it's not meant to go through it alone. Um, it's meant to share with other people because you never know what someone else needs to through. And maybe the exact identical thing that you came out of. So for me, that's what your purpose is. That's what fulfilling your purpose is, is sharing your testimony with other people so that they can come out of it too. Yeah, and I'll piggyback right on that, Mark. I agree with that fully. That's the essence of my book, Finding Your Purpose in 15 Minutes, and our app, the Purpose University app. When I was teaching at Shaw University, wow. 15 years ago, I had a colleague there, Dr. William Thurston, who would tell me, Drakeford, your purpose in life is birthed out of your pain. Your purpose in life is birthed out of your pain. 
you know, part of the reason that these black activists fight for black rights is because they've been through painful racist experiences, right? Right. You know, part of the reason that these doctors are putting themselves in danger is because in their childhoods they had loved ones who died who needed a doctor. Mm. So what pushes us to do our work in a way that's authentic is having real pain that identifies with the work. And being honest with ourselves. For me, it was my parents' divorce. My dad was the mayor of Carborough. My mom was a nurse at Duke Hospital, both alpha personalities. You put two alphas in the same household, there's going to be some furniture moving. Right. And here I was, lost. So my purpose is helping people to be a little bit less lost because my entire life has been, a lot of it has been lost. Gotcha. Well, that's deep. Uh, And speaking of purpose-driven life and everything, uh, hey, Dean, if you could, because if you can't, I'll reach out and do it. But can you bring Tanya into the conversation? Because Tanya is one that we had on last week, and she's definitely living a purpose-driven life out of uh, the Los Angeles uh, area, and it's, about to be where well, she was supposed to have been honored earlier, but that honoring did not quite happen because of what's going on with the virus and everything. But the date is, I think, still slated for April, but Connie can share a little bit about what Purpose Driven Life has meant to her because she's been doing this work and work similar to what you've been doing, Nicole, in terms of like helping kids and everything. But she's been using theater and doing it for a number of years out in the Los Angeles area, so much so that the people that are out there in Hollywood honor and recognize what she's done. She's done it both using music and uh, theater, if I remember correctly, and possibly film. But uh, she'll explain that more in detail when she talks. But, uh, Tanya, have you been following the conversation at all? I have. Hello. Good afternoon. (laughs) Yes, I have. Good afternoon, Tanya. Tell folks a little bit about what purpose-driven life means to you and and some of your own work and how that purpose-driven life is helping you with what you're doing. Well, Mark, how are you? It's wonderful to hear your voice again. Very interesting conversation. Well, first of all, being a veteran in this, um, I've worked in entertainment, as you know, 44 years. Um, I have been in entertainment for 44 years and 20 years with my entertainment company full-time. So I tell you, there's layers to this. That's what I'm finding, and especially starting in Hollywood, California in the early 80s, you know, I started professionally in entertainment at 19. I'm now 61. It's very interesting to see how the time has changed. And the purpose has not changed, though. That's the interesting part. Uh, The reason for that is simply because every single person here has the same goal and desire and the hunger for entertainment, whether it be dance, singing, acting, writing, uh, or the like. Everybody has that hunger. But to get there, the hard pill to swallow. And right now, they shut us down. They shut us down. Right. The whole city, you see, the heartbeat of the city is gone because entertainment, whether anyone likes it or not, it rules the world. Entertainment and sparks rules the world. It really does. Whether it be in the form of music, sports, entertainment, film, commercial. Everything we do is centered around what? Entertainment, our televisions, our social media, our YouTube. So with that being said, 
the purpose is always the same for every single artist. They have the desire to get into the industry. They have the desire to show their gifts and talents. They have a desire and hunger for the stage, the hunger and desire to entertain people, as it was mine. So that's how I see it. That part has not changed. What has changed is how to get into the industry, and that's where I've become, you know, pretty versed in helping the young people to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I see. Yeah, definitely. I want to hear more about that, and I, you might even be able to give them the codes and advice because, like I said, she's working with a lot of teen ladies and everything, and she's been doing it, yeah. like she mentioned earlier, out of South Carolina and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know whether any of her people have the kind of desire to do acting or whether they want to go into professional fields. She'll be able to tell you that and everything. But I do want you to <laughs> kind of like share a little bit of your story. Before I get to that, um, Dean, can we bring in J. Rob as well? Because I want to bring in J. Rob because he's got a thing called The Hype Show which is also very much involved in the entertainment world here in our area of North Carolina. So, Dean, can you help me bring in Jay? Dean, are you listening? Yeah, what's up, bro? Bring, can you help me bring in Jay Rob? Yep. Day two eight number. I got it. Thank you. Sorry. All right. Oh, hey, Jay, are you, uh, are you are you there on the line with me? Yes, sir. Hey, though, I don't know if you've been following the conversation because I think you called in later, but we've been talking to a combination of guests here today, uh, me and Dean, and we've got Nicole Jones, who's got uh, Divine Girls out of the uh, Columbus, South Carolina area, but also done some work in Charlotte. We've got Derek Drakeford, who does Purpose Driven University that he's offering free to people, and Tanya Brooks, who is a well-known entertainment person out of the Los Angeles area, has worked in the field for 40-odd years and everything, and was about to be honored before this whole virus thing came around, and uh, they had a certain date. I think that date probably has been moved. At least that was the information we got last week. But she's done a great things in that community. And then, of course, you're doing stuff. you got the hype show. I did listen to some of the videos that you brought me and everything or sent me. And, of course, the hype show deals with a lot of issues, some of the issues that Nicole talks about. Y'all on the show have dealt with things like abuse and things like teen pregnancies and things along those lines. And y'all have also had fun with your games. And then you've also put out some movies that you're working on and everything. So tell a little bit about J-Rob and what J-Rob is all about. I just gave us a little bit of what y'all are about, but tell a little bit more, and it will continue this round-robbing conversation. This is really about self-image and purpose-driven life and how we can uh, cope with the day and time that we're in on this particular day and time with all that's going on around the world and particularly with what's kicking in with the virus and everything. Hey, well, my name, as you said, is J-Rob. I have an entertainment, independent entertainment company in um, Hickory, North Carolina, which is 45 minutes outside of Charlotte. I have a I had a radio show on 103.3 from the Soul of Charlotte. And what we did is we brought in independent entertainers and we gave them a platform to, to shine a little bit. Uh, as you said, on our on my radio show, we, we interviewed the artists, we played their music, um, we we had game shows. Um, we brought a plethora of people. We brought we brought like you said, we had people from psychiatrists on our show to entertainers to actors to politicians. We just wanted to get their stories out there. Yeah, definitely. Y'all have been doing good. Are you familiar with Derek? Because he's actually done some work in the Charlotte area as well, and he's the one that's got the Purpose Driven University. No, um, I was I've been in Charlotte. I was in the Charlotte area for only like three years, which is a couple of years ago. About I came down here about this is twenty like ninth and, and seventeen, two thousand seventeen, I believe, and um. 
we did the radio show for three years on like said WGIV. Then I did the tele did the television show, which reached only seven hundred thousand um, households. But in the town that we're in now, in Hickory, North Carolina, that, that was pretty good. So I've never had the pleasure of meeting him. I don't believe. Ooh. Well, y'all definitely need to connect and everything because y'all both are trying to do things that are that purpose-driven kind of lifestyle and, and trying to get things going that way. And what do you see as your goal with what you're doing with uh, the hype show and some of the other things that you're doing? You talked about some of the ways that you're reaching out, but when you first created it, what was your goal in creating it? My goal was, well, actually, my background was I, I was a singer out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The older I got, the harder it got to get into. I started late, so the older I got, the more I realized that the industry is kind of prejudiced towards age. So I decided to use um, the experience I had to try to help get the younger entertainers out there in the entertainment world. Thus, we started um, BDD Entertainment, which we, we now have a stable of actors, we have comedians, we have singers, and we have rappers. So I just try to help them, you know, send them in the right direction, trying to get them to, to their dreams and their goals, which is the next level. So Tanya, you're hearing this. That's very similar to what you were doing in Los Angeles. So, how would what advice would you give to Jay as he's doing this here in this area? Because, like I said, you've got this experience of having done it for 42 years, as I remember correctly from last year. You had worked with TV Wonder and some other legendary performers. So, you definitely have a a wealth of experience in the industry. So, as other folks are trying okay. to both cope with this uh, entertainment world, and it is a rough world and everything. Um, what advice would you give to folks? as they're trying to navigate this, particularly as we're trying to navigate it in this new era that we're in. Yeah. It's very different now in entertainment. I will say this. It is really a very hard industry, but it can be a connected industry. Let me say this. On to the first young lady, my advice, first of all, a book. I have a friend that has his first um, publishing company called Noah Publishing, and uh, he's a world-renowned drummer and a friend of mine over 30 years, and he started a first faith-based, um, uh, you know, book publishing, and he's doing major things with uh, several top people. And one thing he told me oh, last week, I believe, he was saying to me that that whole thing has changed as well. This is another, what, layer of entertainment, okay, book. So book is a really quick, quicker way, believe it or not, to really jump in is entertainment. It's really just connection and uh, marketing yourself. One of my clients uh, who was on Good Morning America, her name is Lorea Gaston. I think I told you about her from Lunch on Me. She was interviewed by Robin Roberts last year, and her book is coming out in 2021. Well, I'm glad it didn't come out in 2020 with all that's going on now. They waited. She got a major New York book publisher, gave her the big fat budget, had a New York bestseller author write her book, and we're going to release it next year. Now, what's the interesting thing about this? She had a big publisher out the gate just marketing her do her whole book. She is a very accomplished, very talented actress. When I met her 10 years ago, I trained her in acting. Now, look at here we are 11 years later, and what is Lorea doing? She has her own Lunch on Me program. She has her own Feed the Homeless program and a store and wrote a book. You see what I'm saying? So entertainment is intertwined. So my advice to you guys is pull in all your other gifts and talents. That's some of the things I told the people I mentor. You have to dig in to all the gifts inside of you. Don't limit it to one thing. And these both these people uh, sound very multifaceted to me. So whether it's writing a book, 
or working with young people and connecting, you are going to have to get a social media account. Now, I will say this, I understand. I was very friends with myself. People were like, honey, you got to have social media. Well, start small. You do need an IG page, and it's, it's, it can be user-friendly. If you do it and keep it on a professional level, then everyone will connect with you and just see who you are. You'd be surprised at how you connect. It's really almost necessary and mandatory. I don't know if you guys are aware. One of my executive friends at Sony said to me the other day, he said, Tanya, we will not even see, we will not even see an artist unless they have a social media account with a, I don't want to say the number, there, there's a certain amount that they look for before they even let you see the producers. Now, this never happened in the early days of entertainment. When we would go out and do these things, oh, God, no. You, if you had a good voice, you had a, a good connection, and you had a great look, you can get on the tour. That's how we started. That's not, that's not the case today. Whether you be an actor, whether you be a book writer, whether you be a publisher, whatever you're doing, think whatever form of entertainment or the arts, they are looking at your social media gathering, period. Now, these are from executive friends I have personally. That's just how it is. So my advice, first of all, would be that make sure you stay with these kinds of talk uh, forms. What you're doing is fabulous, Mark. You have to be connected in the social sector. Now, I will say this. We are in a time right now with COVID-19 where they're telling us all this, you know, don't get together and talk. Okay, I get all of that. Well, this is a time we are in our homes. We are now um, in California on lockdown, as they call it. Okay, don't let it be a negative. You can now, this is an opportunity to now get out and connect all the things that you couldn't do, that you wanted to do. This is the time to dwell into that. Write a blog. You'd be amazed how many people will find you. Start a YouTube account. I'm telling you, YouTube is a major form. They're, they're scouting people and pulling artists, book authors, all kinds of people just from YouTube. The, the record executives, they go on YouTube to find the artists. Now, it's not about just showing up and going the door. You can't do that anymore. In order to have an appointment with a producer at Sony or um, Universal Music Group, all of the, it doesn't matter what label, large or small, you have to have an appointment or someone that has seen you on a social media account. This, do people know that? So here I am to educate, to tell you that is what you have to do. It is a necessary evil. So that's my advice. Yeah. Definitely, I, I appreciate yeah. that advice. I'm just curious, and I want to hear from J. Rob as well as others that are doing this work. I'd love to hear from Derek as well. I'm thinking that a lot of people are also wondering what the future of the brick and mortar kind of art business is going to be as we're dealing with this virus and everything. Do you think that we're going to see things like the Met up there in New York as well as things like uh, some of the museums, the Smithsonian, and uh, even some of the bigger ones um, around? the country and the world, they will not survive this or that they will go to a whole other platform that you may not go as often in the future, um, like maybe not see as many school trips. I mean, we hope that this doesn't last forever, but that we might not see as many school trips and that they might go into a more online kind of economy. Uh, Derek, you mentioned earlier, and I alluded to it as well, that we might be seeing changes in the college atmosphere. How do you think this is going to impact the art world? And I would love to hear from all of you and the education world. So that would also include Nicola. And so how do you think this is going to impact the world in general? I think the good news that came out of China today is that they opened up 500 movie theaters. And these 500 wow. movie theaters have limited seating, so you still have space between the seats, but they – have figured out a way to contain the virus so much so that they now are letting people go back to the movie theaters. 
So that's a sparkle of hope. Definitely. Definitely a sparkle of hope. So that that could be the case. And as I alluded to earlier with you, Derek, I do think that we're going to see more online universities. I mean, I don't think the, the built this. I'm sure that the Dukes of the world and the Harvest of the world will still have some sort of physical campus, but it might be a smaller footprint. It, it is. I mean, no one wants to get dressed, get in the car, go to campus, get to class. The professor's late. The professor finally comes in. Then you leave. Then you get back in the car. Then you go back home. And you really had about 30 minutes with the professor, right? Right. We're online. You actually can get more access to the professor. You get more access to the course content because you can read all the stuff on your own. The professor doesn't have to come to class and just be a public reader of textbooks. So I think it's going to be moving in a good direction. Yeah, it sounds like it, definitely. Um, hey, Jake, what is your thoughts about this? I mean, you're trying to find entertainers here in North Carolina, and Hickory is not a big town. I'm familiar a little bit with the town and everything. So uh, how is this going to impact you even trying to find talent? I mean, are you going to do more online searching? Is your some of your talent, is it coming from around the world and not just there in Hickory? And not just, I mean, Hickory is a very, for those that are not familiar with Hickory, it's a fairly small community. It's not a large city. So how are you going to cope with even trying to find your talent and work with the talent? Well, working with it is going to be the problem, but finding it, what we've always been doing has been going on the Internet. Uh, they have a lot of sites, especially for our, our movies. We have a lot of sites where we just put auditions out and we do auditions by a video. And, you know, that's how we find our talent. We, we deal with a lot of independent actors that have done commercials and, you know, small movies. So finding the talent is, is not that hard. We also, when we, we have a movie that we're preparing for now, what we've done since everyone's all, we have people from Philadelphia, Baltimore, um, the Upper East Coast that's in this in this movie that we're working on. And because of this right now, this slowed us down. We do stuff like we do Skype readings together and, and, you know, conference call readings. So it's slowing us down, but because of technology nowadays, there's still ways for us to be able to, um, you know, practice and get our work in. Definitely. And uh, Tanya, what about yourself? Uh, how is it going in Los Angeles? Because I know you were trying to educate a lot of kids, just like Nicole was. So, in terms of like reaching out to the teenagers there in Los Angeles, are you doing it mostly mm-hmm. through Zoom and Google Hangout and things of that nature? So, how are you yeah. actually coping with what's going on? And are, are you maintaining the classes? And what are some of the lessons that you're teaching the kids on a regular basis? In, in both life lessons, so that's what Derek's been talking about, as well as just lessons in general. What are some of the things that you've been sharing with people? Yes, I was just sharing that with my sister who came by and visited and uh, got a chance to see my grandniece, Naomi, Naomi Rosario. Shout out to you, Nene. <laughs> she asked me that, Auntie Tanya, what you going to say today? <laughs> well, I, I told her my concern, really, because, you know, I have very talented people in my family as well, you know, my grandchildren and then my grandnieces and nephews. And this is one of the concerns. This is a brand new week for us, their first, you know, getting homeschooled and all these things, and now they're creative side. They're not able to what? Do anything. So what I told her is this, so I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm writing a program right now, and I'm going to do an online training. Uh, I already do online training, but let me explain. I'm going to expound it, I guess I should say. I'm going to make it interactive. I'm going to try to do it in a group setting. Right now I do private one-on-one training. I do private online for acting and singing and public speakers. 
So what I think I'm going to do now is because I can't do the event, uh, the event that I was being celebrated for on May 17th, of course, now we have to move it. We're going to have to do it in October, okay? Uh, it will still be done this year. You know, we just believe in God that all this will kind of move by that time, we hope. If not, we just have to move the date again. But right now, we're going to have to move it in October. And one of the things we were going to do was going to do a uh, a, a walk for the young kids, the children getting out in the summer, coming to the community and doing like a, a carnival. A carnival of arts is what I called it. And they were going to come out and have activities. Well, I'm going to try to do it online. I'm going to write the program and see if I can get a group chat of children. It has to be parents approved, you know, and have them come on and kind of have fun. Because, you see, what gave me the idea is that my nieces and grandchildren, they're all doing their computer work and schoolwork online with their teachers. And they're having fun with it, but they're trying to learn sign-on. They're trying to get comfortable. You know what I'm saying? And since this is their world now in technology, I thought, hmm, why don't we try this for entertainment to make it fun? Because they miss that. You know, my grandkids don't go to gymnastics training. They don't go to swimming now. They don't go to their dance classes. You see what I'm saying? So we've got to do something online to be interactive with the children. So that's what I'm going to be doing, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Definitely. Um, and, Derek, mm-hmm. um, you've heard how she's doing hers and how she's planning to do hers. How, how are you doing your class right now? I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to take your whole class. I want people to – to join, I plan to join myself at some point later on today and go through the course. But how are you um, getting? Give people like a little synopsis of what they would get if they were to sign up for the course. Yeah. So, Mark, we've been blessed. We got about a quarter million dollars from the National Science Foundation, which funded the development of the Purpose University mobile app. So the app actually uses five different ways of learning. You can learn online through self-paced courses where you go at your own speed. Then we have Zoom where you can register for online classes where myself or another professor teaches on Zoom. And then we also have books that are e-book or a paper book that can be mailed to you. And then lastly, we have augmented reality where a hologram pops up off the app and begins to teach the student how to find their purpose and how to start their own business. So y'all have really moved into the high tech and everything. Well, both asking for myself as well as probably for Tanya and um, J-Rob, if you need any extra teachers and Dean, I'm sure we're available. I do have a Zoom account. (laughs) So this is what I suggest, especially Tanya, because Tanya's got more wisdom than everybody on the phone and I don't mean to be dissing you, Mark, but Tanya got it going on. What we all need to do is go on teachable.com, teachable.com, and you can create your own class for free. Okay. You can use your smartphone, film yourself, film videos of yourself, put it in the class with text. Teachable.com It's time to start your class Today That's awesome Now that's awesome Now let me tell you something Brother that's brilliant When I um, In the early 90s We did five uh, shows in Hollywood A a piece I wrote called Big Sister Little Sister So I want to say this to you both The first thing I did was I wrote an interactive play To teach children theater 
because everybody kept saying, wow, how do you do this, Tanya? How do you learn theater? So I wrote a program for them, and it was called Big Sister Little Sister. So we wound up doing the program for five years, and at the end of the program, they now do a presentation. Do you know when we took those kids in 2009 to Hollywood, we did five sold-out shows of complex theater, and those kids all went way beyond my measured dreams. There's one student, listen, you guys, oh, my God, he's in Washington. He trained with me. That boy was 12 years old. He went from my training class to Broadway to Lion King playing Simba. You talk about sitting in the theater in tears. You see, this thing, you, you guys have no idea. You could do something so small like what you're saying right here, and you'd be so surprised who you tap in. He just walked into my workshop. So, see, now what we have to do, you guys, we have to take that same energy and that same concept and put it to the online. And this, what you're saying is the perfect opportunity to do that. You'd be amazed. And when you get connected, now you've got a connected audience online that will follow you, breathe with you, and build your confidence, get practice. And now you have an audience. So it's brilliant. It's brilliant. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's I had actually heard about people from their guys their, actually heard about Teachable uh, this weekend from my friend Shree, who I listen to regularly, does a Facebook read-along of the New York Times, and he's actually doing a daily COVID call every day. He's been doing it out of New York City. I think today was day 11. Oh, wow. So ever since this crisis started, he does a daily call. I'll send you the link because he does a call, and it varies. Like uh, one, one time he had, yesterday he had a positive psychologist on that was talking about, um, you know, how to have positive psychology during this time. I missed the one today, but today was supposed to be about how people are dealing with hard economy in this day and time. He had Lippy Roy, who's actually been on our show, who's a medical professional, and some others talking about some of the medical things that are needed during this time. So he's doing different things of doing the call, and he's actually going to have a call. I think it's either Tuesday or Wednesday dealing with the arts and the survivability of the arts during this time because he was the digital person for the uh, Met Museum in New York for a number of years, and so he's got – tons of contacts and did this one-day seminar yesterday that I um, attended part of. I had some other things, so I didn't get to attend the whole thing, but I did attend part of it. So he had mentioned in the seminar on tools that we can use, Teachable. So he was the first person. So you're the second person that mentioned Teachable to me. So I was just curious, what other platforms are you using? I know that we've all talked about Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and now you're mentioned Teachable. He mentioned that one to me as well. But I do know that there's some other ones out there. They've also used StreamYard, which is apparently one that you can use to blend various platforms it's together. Dark. But what other platforms are you using that you're familiar with? Yeah, uh, right now uh, through our app we use Teachable, Zoom, Eventbrite. Uh, we're heavy on Instagram and LinkedIn, but we need to get on Snapchat. You know, we we need to get on some more platforms. So there's some areas for improvement that I have. I mean, there's, there's always areas for improvement for all of us. There's no doubt about that. That's what we're all doing on a constant basis is improving on a regular basis. Um, Jay, uh, share a little bit about your background out of Philly and also share a little bit about the platforms that you're on. And if you want to, all of you, I need to get your handle so that we can share that with people and everything, both the Twitter handles, the Instagram and everything. But Jay, just share a little bit about what got you to Hickory of all places from Philly and your own musical background. We've heard a little bit about Tanya's background and I do want Tanya to elaborate a little bit more about her background, but definitely Jay, share a little bit about your musical journey. My musical journey started actually in the United States Marine Corps. Um, I went into the Marine Corps in 1986, 
and stayed until 1990. I did two tours where I saw a little bit of combat. But during that time, I, I started singing with a friend, and we started doing just local shows in, in the Marine Corps, wherever, you know, whatever country we were in, we would sing. And then when I got out of the Marine Corps, I um I still had a desire to sing, so I found a partner. He and I got signed to a local um, a local little entertainment company in Philadelphia, and we did shows all over Philly. So uh, when when Patty Labelle, Jay Labelle, we did Jay Labelle and Crocodile, and you know from there I was also a police officer and got shot in Philadelphia. So I left Philadelphia and came to North Carolina. At that point, I was getting older. Knew I wasn't going to get signed, so as I said earlier, I took my experience and started, you know, finding younger people that that had the same passion as I did, and thus we started um, BDD Enter- Entertainment, and that that's pretty much how I got started. It, I never made it big time. We sang on a lot of stages, a lot of different places in Philly. Came down here, did some shows in Charlotte, and then I got on the radio, and then you know. There just blossomed. Um, I met a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of famous people and learned you know through interviews. I learned a lot from them, and then I branched out to my television and back to back to the music. The music was always there for me. I've always loved the same. Uh Jay, just real quick, and I do want to get to tell you story as well. What were some of the name one or two of the interviews that you had that you really learned a lot from? Because I'm always fascinated by when people hear from other people that maybe were there, people that they considered idols or people that they considered folks that they admired a lot and they learned, they got to meet them or hear from them. So who was somebody that you actually talked to? Maybe it was somebody that you didn't even really know until you talked to them that they really inspired you when you were having these interviews. Certainly sounds crazy, but I, I got to sit down with um, Joe Jackson. I, um, you know, I had, I always thought that, you know, listening to the rumors that he was a bad person, but I sat down and I interviewed him, and um, he he was actually a nice guy towards me during the interview, during the interview and after the interview, and he gave me a couple of nuggets, and I also got my, my um, useful idol was a hip-hop artist named MC Shan, and I sat down with him on several different occasions, and, and we spoke about the business, and so... He taught me, you know, was giving me more nuggets about the business, which I passed on. And I always try to tell what he told me. I always tell these young people that if you're if you're serious about the business, you have to learn that you have to invest in yourself. If people, if you're not investing in yourself, why would someone want to invest in you? So those are just two of my favorite ones that I, I dealt with. And that's very profound and very deep advice and everything. Um, Tanya, tell, tell a little bit about your background and how you first got involved. Like I said, you've been involved in the music for 40 uh, oh, years. So tell folks when you first got involved, who are some of the people that you worked with? And I know you mentioned, definitely, I think you mentioned Stevie and some of the other folks, but definitely share a little bit about oh your story God. and how you got involved into the arts there in Los Angeles. And I know you didn't start in Los Angeles. You actually started in another part of the country. So if you could share a little bit of that story yeah. with us again, I'd okay. definitely appreciate that. Absolutely, Mark. Oh, my gosh. I'm thinking, uh, oh, I, I blinked, and the time went so fast. That's why I'm laughing. It's like 44 years later. Okay, so we moved here <laughs> in 1973, okay? And I'm from originally from Cleveland, Ohio, okay? We moved here as a family. So I moved here my sophomore year of high school. So right when I graduated from high school, 
I began to search. And back in that time, it was very easy in the 70s because if you really had a talent or connected with certain people and hang with a certain crowd, here in California in the 70s was the time. And when I say that, all of us look back, all of us when we talk now, we we feel like perfectionists, but it's really true. And so what I did was at 19, I went to an audition. Very simple. I was working in the bank as a new account representative. One of my girlfriends was there, too. Long story short, she was dating the drummer from Earth, Wind & Fire, Fred White, Earth, Wind & Fire. We went, and she introduced me. I met him at the Forum Club, and then they, she told my sang, and I sang for him. He says, oh, my God, I need to come and see an audition. I did. I went and auditioned for him, and next thing I know, they introduced me to Stevie Wonder, and I'm there I go, and my career took off. That's the true story. So for me, it was all connection and God's plan, I believe. From that, I became a very big, you know, background studio singer, and I did that for seven to eight years. So I did George Benson, Stevie Wonder, uh, Chuck Brown, The Soul Searchers, a group called Ambiance out of New York, a host of people. Chuck Brown, The Soul Searchers was my favorite, and Roy Ayers was my absolute favorite. Stevie Wonder was very, very, very meticulous and hard to work with. (laughs) He's brilliant. He is everything everyone says. You spend 10 and 20 hours in the studio. My son has a story. He tells his wife and his kids today. Uh, he played air hockey with Susie Wonder. It's a wonderful memory for us. So, you know, it was very good time. Now, I will say this. Going forward, how what happened with me was that I didn't want to just be an entertainer and sing, dance, and acting. You know, I really wanted to know the, uh, the background of, of um, entertainment, too. As I progressed and the years went by, I got into the production side, and that's how I became a producer and director. And then I started directing a lot of celebrity people and traveling. Um, uh, Todd Bridges' mother, um, Debbie Bridges, she's, oh, she's amazing. Uh, Nia Long's mother directed her. Um, I directed a young lady named Monique Powers, who is uh, Dr. Phil's makeup artist. All these people that wanted to do their own particular project, I got hired for that. Then I became known as a producer and a director. And then I went out of state, and then I started working with some of Tyler Perry's people in the background, and that took off. And, you know, just one thing, it's just one connection to the next. What I will say, in 44 years, never give up. You will have your highs, your lows, your ups and downs. But what I did feel, Mark, is that you have to have drive and tenacity, and these young people sound like they do. You, You just keep going. Every person you meet will connect you to something else. That's what I've learned in this business. And the more you give and the more heart and soul you show, it, it'll just take off. That's anything in life. In entertainment, breathe. It breathes your, your tenacity. If you breathe that, it's going to go. And so after I did all of the producing and directing 20 years now, I opened my own entertainment company, and then I started managing artists. Um, I started directing them pretty much training them, uh, just a host of things, doing their albums. I, you know, worked in ministry work with the church and, you know, did the plays, was the vocal coach for their project. Child, it's endless. I've done a little bit of everything. <laughs> but what I will say is that I just, I have a love for the business, and it, I was born to do it. And so it fuels me. It's simple as that. So that's pretty much what we're doing now. Now I get to work and earn my own hours and that kind of thing. It just Bless all the young people. <laughs> That's what I'm doing now. So. <laughs> that sounds like you're doing some amazing work. And I'm thinking, and this goes for everybody, Jay, Derek, everybody else on the call, I'm thinking that this is going to open up a lot of um, more opportunities in terms of, like, what we can do. Because one of the complaints 
as we've all known that we've heard from the African American community as well as all the minority communities, is that there were too many, um, there were not enough gatekeepers that looked like us that were actually making the decisions. But if it's all being done through internet tools and through YouTube and things like that, I'm thinking that the um, the sky's the limit right now because you you really don't have as much of the industry blocks that you used to have. I mean, they they still exist maybe in the big offices and things of that nature, but with everybody doing stuff from at home, I'm thinking that this is going to really open up a gate flood of some very powerful creative things. I mean, I imagine that that gate flood You're will right. also, since we're going to have a million, since we're going to have a million people doing a million different projects and everything, there's going to be some garbage in that gate, but there's going to be some serious jewels in there as well, and probably more jewels than the garbage. But I'm, I'm just thinking that it's going to open up a lot of greater opportunities to get some stuff out there. Let me put a little bug in your ear while you're, what you're saying is so profound. Let me say this. After this is all done, I'm going to try to say this without giving too much information out. There is a very major push going on here, okay? I will tell you there are some powerful black people that are going to be looking for projects here, and you will be amazed at the budget they can give it. Now, they're going, to, they're going to advertise to do it. But listen to me, you guys. If you stay connected online and follow what's going on, you will be able to get your product in, whatever it is, whether it's a book, your singing, your, whatever, they're going to be lucky. I will say this. They are some powerful people. Babyface's wife, I will say her name, she is amazing. You'd be amazed what she's doing. They are going to be looking for entrepreneurial black people, especially, to come in and do things in the business. They're going to be looking for, for no names and that and the like. It's coming, you guys. I just think this is an attack on the world right now. It, it hit at a very interesting time because it was already in the works before I'm bringing it up. But you just wait till 2021 right. comes. If we just hold out, it's coming. And we're all going to be able to be a part of it. So I just want to share that. It is definitely coming. Well, I, it's already I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. And I was already getting that sense because I know that there are some power players in both the entertainment world as well as in the sports world. And some of those power players are Absolutely. sitting on some opportunities right now and, they, and, and probably some cash flow until they can get their cash flow flowing again since we don't really have any sports going mm-hmm. on at the moment. Either so, I'm, I'm imagining that some of those power players you're talking about are also going to be oh, out of yes. the athletic world as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and one of the things I will say to you is this: there are retired athletic players right now. Sorry, I can't say a name that are already working behind the scenes that are doing Black People Meet type events that they want to connect with Black men and entrepreneurs train up the Black men going to the jail and pull them out and help rehabilitate them. There is a one gentleman that's retired black ball player that's doing that. It's going to change, you guys. We just have to stay prayed up and watchful, but it's going to turn around. And there's going to be a lot of great things coming out, a lot, yeah, especially from California and Atlanta, for sure, Atlanta. You guys don't understand this. Atlanta is being called the new A-Wood. I don't know if you've been hearing that term. It's for a reason because there is so much talent in Atlanta Tyler Perry has put them on the map, you guys, and he's going to do amazing things. But if we just start supporting each other and looking at his shows and that thing, we can do great things. It's going to be a wonderful time coming up. It will. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, I agree, and I, I definitely knew Atlanta was a player. <laughs> I know that New York in that area is still going to be a, a player. Definitely California is a player. Uh, Derek, yeah. I have a funny feeling because that, uh, contrary to what people may have said, and I 
know that we had certain people that put some things in place that hurt our industry, but I do think that North Carolina, South Carolina is also going to be a major player with some of what Tanya's talking about because we've got some people in that same kind of category that have been playing around the country and around the world. And I know, I know that I've been in touch with some. I know you've been in touch with many more. So I think that we're going to wind up being a player as well because I think that some of that uh, things that hurt us in, in terms of the way they hurt the film industry in the past, uh, this new technology is going to change that game and we're going to see some players even coming out of here. At least that's my vibe. I don't know if that's your vibe, Derek. Yeah, I agree with you. I was in California four weeks ago. I was in L.A. and I was in San Francisco, and my clients in San Francisco were not able to fly to North Carolina because the state has banned. Uh, them from attending North Carolina because of the HB one, right? Uh, so there, there is still some regressive stuff going on in North Carolina, and we're not on the level yet of where California is as far as progression. Uh, but because of the internet, everyone has access equal. It's equal playing field right now. Yeah, and that's what I've noticed because I've noticed. That- I did not realize that you had Absolutely. gone out there recently, but I know that Mike Anderson, who is uh, does some purpose-driven kind of stuff, and he was a uh, person that had gone through the prison system, had been convicted of a major crime, and has been doing a lot of stuff around the country, be it St. Louis, be it California or whatever. But I know he's been out there, L.A., a number of times, and he's a good friend of mine, and I know he's a friend of yours as well, Derek, and LaWanda, his wife. So I did know that there were some of our players that have been making – that trip out to California, including some that are based in California now, because Ronnie Warner, who I'm hoping to get on this show, who did the film this Christmas, is from a little town called Hillsboro. So uh, definitely I know that there are some players that are out there in California that still have North Carolina connections. And the wonderful thing about it is that it's so funny. They will look online, they'll find uh, someone like him, and they'll pull him and they'll bring him here. It's awesome. It's like you don't have to be here to make it. They'll pull you from wherever. They'll pull you online and pull you out of state and just bring you into the state that has the budget and the money to do it. That's just how it goes, and it's a wonderful thing. So what he's saying is absolutely true. It doesn't matter what state you're in. They will see if they like the work they're going to take, but they'll just bring you here to this town to do it. That's what we're finding, and it's a wonderful thing. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Jay, what has been some of your experiences in terms of reaching out into the entertainment community, whether it's L.A., whether it's uh, Atlanta, or whether it's whatever. I think you said you had done some work in Atlanta, but what has been your uh, experience so far in reaching out into that wider audience? Well, Minnesota, we're still we're still pretty much new as far as the entertainment company. We, we've worked with, we've gotten out there, but not to the extent as the rest of you guys. We're still babies in this process. So I'm just being sitting back listening to this and being blown away. But um, we've touched Atlanta. We've done a couple of things in Atlanta. Uh, back, of course, I was born in Philly, so we've you know, knocked on a couple of doors in Philadelphia. So we're just driving, like she said earlier, we're just pushing forward and, and you know, got our ears to the grind, and we're just, just, trying, to, just trying to get to the level that, that I'm listening to right now. Well, like I said, I was really impressed, by the way. I just want to let folks know, if you have not had a chance, and tell people the website that you created, the Hype Channel and everything. When I went to the YouTube, it was uh, you had a gentleman, I think it was you and your co-host, the young lady that were on there. Y'all had like a little uh, 
quiz game that was going on. Um, <laughs> one of the questions was real basic, like whether what was the number between sixteen and eighteen, and I thought both of them were going to jump on it. But the one the one guest was your co-host was too busy laughing that the guest actually kind of stuck in there and got the correct answer. But then y'all also have a conversation about who cheats more, man or man or women, and also dealing with like um, not uh, abuse things and some more profound kind of issues as well. And then you, uh, I don't remember right off the top of my head the gentleman that you were uh, in, if you had as the interview, but he was a musician of some sort because you did have him sing at the end as well. So just tell people a little bit about that and also the movie that you've got coming up and uh, direct people to those particular websites. Okay, well, the, um, the hype show, it's pretty much a regular talk show, but I wanted to keep the boredom down. So what we decided to do have a competition between my co-host and whoever our guests are. Guest is, and we have simple questions from, like you said, who who drove uh, speed racers? What was the number of speed racers car? And we have questions like, I mean, just to, just to break the monotony, if if you were on a boat and a boat was sinking, who would you save your your wife or your mother? Just just to make people think a little bit. Um, and as far as, as the um, the movie, the movie we have one now. Where it's called Mama's Baby Boy. It's about a 40-year-old. It's a, it's a it's kind of like a gospel comedy. It's about a 40-year-old successful black businessman who all the women love him and all his partners admire him, but the only thing is he still lives at home with his mom. But when you go through the movie, you find out the reason that he's living at home with his mother is because he's kind of sick, but she doesn't want to let go of him let him go, so she still treats him like a child. So the movie, the movie is about the conflict between, well, the love that they have with, with one another, but how the conflict is she doesn't want to let him go. And the, the website for us is bddentertainment.com. That's where you can see clips from the first movie, um, Black Widows, and you can see clips from our television show, The Hype Show. And how often does the hype show air? It airs every Thursday at eight o'clock on at Spectrum Television. Every Thursday is at eight o'clock. We've done two okay. seasons. We're working on our third season now. And uh, you said it's pretty much just showing around the North Carolina area, or which market is it in right now? And are you trying to expand that market? Oh, we're always trying to expand. Yeah, right now we're at um, we have seven counties that we that we're in. Mecklenburg was one of, was one of them. Mecklenburg, Catawba, Ash, um, Wilkes County, um, Caldwell County, and Anderson. Anderson. So it's seven. It's seven counties which reaches seven hundred thousand households. We're always trying to, you know, trying to break through that that big market. But I've heard I heard one of the guests talk about God. I, I look at it, as long as we continue to work hard. It's all in God's time, if it, you know, for it to happen. So, yeah, there's no doubt about that. The man above definitely controls all of these decisions and everything that we do. There's no doubt about that. I know that one of the shows that I've been involved with for a number of years, probably about five or six, is a show called The Road to the Apollo, where they worked out an arrangement with the Apollo Theater, and this was pre-Corona and everything. But we would take the winners of that show and we traveled around North Carolina. Well, we started in Durham, and then we traveled around North Carolina. And the winners from this competition would go up to New York and get an actual live audition at the real live Apollo Theater. And uh, we had like a probably close to a 95% success.
success rate, and we were also on something called Launch TV and a couple of other national TV networks. So it aired for a number of years, and like I said, we're going to try to hopefully get it back up and running once this whole crisis uh, comes uh runs its course and everything. So hopefully we'll get it back up and running. And we're also having conversations about doing it online and some other opportunities as to how to do it. But we definitely had a tremendous amount of success over a number of years. And Captain Newborn, who's a veteran advocate, even though he was never a veteran himself, uh, has been kind of the driving force behind that. And, yes, his real name is Captain. Apparently his, his name, his dad's name, and some others. So we're thinking he must have had a captain somewhere way back in his family line and everything. But – He's definitely got that program running and was helping the veterans that need help during these times when we've had so many war situations going on, not just this war we're in against a certain germ and everything, but also wars against just uh, countries and those kind of like wars that you talked about that you were part of. We saw the different turmoil that the veterans were going through, and this was his way to give back. That's outstanding. So if you get a chance, check out – I know it's a Facebook page that's still – out there called the road to the Apollo. So if you look up road to the Apollo, it should come up and it might even have some clips of some of our past shows. I actually did most of the hosting with the actual performers. Captain would do more of the advocacy hosting. And then I did the actual hosting with the entertainers that were competing and the selecting of the uh, winner. And we modeled it just like the old fashioned Apollo. We had our own Sandman, our own house band, our own um, rotating Peaky Shepherds, even though we did have one that was a steady one there for a while, but for the most part they were rotating. So, but it was modeled just like whether it was the log or whatever, just like a regular Apollo show. Okay. Road, road to the Apollo, right? And you were yeah, saying something the about Apollo. the Launch TV? What, what was that about? Launch TV. It was on Launch TV. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Launch TV is the network that it was on. And it got into – I want to say Captain told me several – like it's not several hundred thousand. It might have been, even been in the millions because Launch is a uh, a national network, so it it definitely has aired in a number of markets, not just the North Carolina market, but in other states as well. And we were actually in the process of negotiating with some other states to possibly even travel to those states to do a similar kind of show in those areas. And he had worked out a like one of those partnership kind of deals, so we we did not travel to those states all the time. So there have been some shows similar to it in other parts of the country because he had a partnership deal where they basically got the right to the structure of the show right. okay. without That's necessarily having to bring in the, us as the crew. I mean, ideally, we would like us as the crew to go there. We have our own selfish reasons for, for wanting to do that, but sometimes it didn't work out negotiation-wise, so I know there were at least a couple of states that were doing it with their own crew and their own people, yeah. but the same arrangement. Um, Nicole, uh, what are some of the thoughts that you've been having as you've been listening to other people that have been going through the purpose-driven thoughts and things of that nature? And, I mean, you've got a great mentor here online with you. I mean, of course, Derek's been mentoring you big time, but Tanya's on here as well. So if, if one of the things we like to do with this show is have people, as I like to call it, it's almost like a coffeehouse conversation. So is there anything that you would like to add that you would like to learn from these experts and everything um, that you might have been thinking about as you were hearing some of the conversation, Nicole? Well, the only thing I can say, well, I want to piggyback on what you said. Um, There is actually a lot of great uh, people online tonight. And um, Tanya, I just want to say kudos to you. I would definitely, hopefully, we could stay in contact uh, with each other because there's so much that I can learn from you 
Um, Absolutely. I know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Derek Drake, as I said, uh, he's been sort of like a, a mentor for me to help me get started. Um, and you mentioned the road to Apollo. Is that what you said? Um, yeah, that's the road. I said the road to the Apollo. Uh-huh. And to that, uh, he actually yep. do with uh, Divine Girls. Um, our mission is to utilize music as well, mentoring and coaching. So a lot of my girls that I uh, interact with, they are have different talents, whether it's painting, um, and so I had a student, to a friend of mine that I was looking to um, maybe do a talent show. But he said, I mean, these are, these girls can really, I mean, they are so super, super talented, and I'm seeing a little bit too. So I don't know if he's like that, but yeah. <laughs> well, I do know that before all of this happened. Charlotte was definitely one of the cities that we were in the process of negotiating with and trying to come down to, as well as uh, reaching out to parts of South Carolina that are near Charlotte. So I think whether we do it online, um, and of course I've got to have that conversation with Captain and everything, but whether we do it that way or whether we do it um, in other ways, we were definitely considering Charlotte as one of our target areas. And I actually just put up my Facebook page, and you can either go to, there's a small page called Amateur Night Live, The Road to the Apollo, and then the big one, which is the Road to New York Open Call Auditions, and that's the one where uh, Captain has been keeping more of up-to-date kind of information as to what was going on and everything of that nature. His, uh, it also goes by the initials, which is CJ. So you may say you may see CJ Newborn instead of Captain Newborn, but I'm pretty sure it's under Captain Newborn. But if you look up the Road to New York Open Call Auditions, it should have a lot of the information on there and even links to more uh, other pages. It will show you some of the things that were going on. Absolutely, that would that's definitely uh, some good information. Um, Taking notes as you're reading. Um this would definitely be good with the, like I said, the girls that I work with. I mean, I mean, people have to hear these children, and I think that's a part of their too. That they're using their gifts to make room for them. Like I said, whether it's singing or whether it's singing or dancing, I think they. So thank you for uh, sharing that information. Yeah, I appreciate it. No problem at all. Um, and uh, both you and uh, everybody, well, we'll start with Tanya. Tanya, folks are wanting to reach out to you. I know you did it last week, but if you could, both for Nicole's sake as well as any listeners that are listening at this particular moment, uh, would you share your information so that folks can uh, know how they can uh, reach out to you? Yes, Absolutely. So the first thing is I have a Facebook page. It's the company name is Tan Lubro Entertainment, T-A-N-L-O-U-B-R-O, Tan Lubro Entertainment. Okay, my name is Tanya Brooks, T-A-N-Y-A-B-R-O-O-K-S. All righty, so I have an IG page. The IG page is Vocal Coach Tanya, okay? And my email is vocalcoachtanya at gmail.com. I do have a uh, separate line for all of my business inquiries, and it's 323-988-7143. And, yes, I do answer them. <laughs> That's, That's good. good to know. Cause I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you know why I said that, girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got a separate line, and don't nobody pick up the phone. No, I do answer my... <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I do not give it to my staff. <laughs> 
No, really, because right. if they don't play me, because you have board of directors and staff, no, I do answer them personally myself, not my board members or my staff. So anyway, three two three nine eight eight seven one four three. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. And Derek, you would one more time tell folks how they can reach out to you again. Derek, are you still there? Don't know if Derek's mind is up, stepping off or not. So, but uh, Nicole, give us your information one more time. Okay, my name is Nicole Jones, um, and you can reach me at development at email. So it's development dot at gmail dot com, and also my phone number nine one nine seven four four seven one four five. Cool. And also, um, Jay, tell folks how they can reach out to you. Maybe there's some talent that's listening and wants to have you work with them, or maybe there's some folks that uh, you might want to work with on the other side. So share uh, how folks can reach you as well. And um, what does it take to be on the Hype Show? What kind of guests are you looking for for the Hype Show? That might be something that people are wanting to know, whether they even fit into the quality of guests that you're looking for. Are you looking for people primarily in that area where you're at, or are you looking for people from all areas? Like, could you have Tanya on as a guest, for example? Yes. We, Does the we, guest have to we, be uh, there? We, yeah, they have to be there for live taping. We um, we interview all type of – if you have an interesting story, if, if you're an – let me back up. If you're an entertainer, we look for those entertainers that are almost ready to break through to get to that next level, you know. And if you're if you're, if you're any type of artist, we, look, we just look for serious people that, that, that are on their way to the next level that's trying to get that exposure. We feel as though with our platform, it's a, it's a perfect place to be seen, being as though, like I said, we reach that 100,000 households. It's not a million, but it's enough. One, one person can make a difference in your life. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the criteria. If you, have, if you have talent and you're serious about your craft and you're looking for that exposure where... We're the we're the ones for you, and we we reach at bddentertainment.com, or you can reach me at jrob28602 at gmail.com, and my phone number is and just eight two eight. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, and give the telephone number. And just because I know sometimes partners can be funny, they like to get their names out there as well, just in case they're listening and they want to hear a shout out to themselves. Who are the partners that are part of the entertainment company in addition to yourself? I know there was the young lady that I guess was your co-host, but I don't know whether whether she's their sole partner or whether there's some other partners that you want to give a shout out to at this particular time. Well, the vice president is, uh, my partner is Ms. Sherry Conley. My co-host is Ms. Shante Fider. She is moved to Miami where she's doing big things in Miami. She's also, she's a, a model and she's doing her thing in Miami. But for just the two of us, we run the company, and we just grind hard and look for great people. First of all, God being people, great people, people that really are trying to get to that next level, and hopefully we can help guide them in that direction. Definitely. It looks like y'all are doing a great job of doing that on a uh, regular basis, so glad that you were able to do that. Um don't know if I got to Nicole yet. Nicole, uh, give us your information. Did you already give your information? I forgot. I'm sorry. That was my that was my case of, of having a senior moment. <laughs> she did. That's right. So I've got the primary yeah. state people. Derek, apparently, I'm not sure if he's still on the line. I'm looking at the phone line to see if he's still there because he might have hopped off. Yeah, it looks like Derek's hopped off. But uh, you remember off the top of your head, 
the email, the code for uh, Purpose Driven University. If not, I'll look it up and connect people that way. But do you remember off the top of your head the contact for Purpose Driven? Uh, no, I don't. Um, off the top of my head, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's no problem. And I think we've got one other person who just called in real quick and everything, so I'm going to see if I can bring them in before we get ready to wrap everything up. Cause, uh uh, 404, who is this calling in right now? Hello? Hello? Yeah, hello? Yeah, 404, who's calling? Uh, this is Manny calling from Atlanta, Georgia. All right, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, we're wrapping up the show, but I uh, definitely want to hear a little bit about what you've got going on. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've got going on. Okay, I just want to say um, to Nicole Jones that she's doing a great job, and God bless her, and she should just keep it up. That's it. Well, it looks like you've got a fan that's already calling in and wishing you well in what you're doing. So we definitely appreciate you calling in from yeah, the 404 girl, area code. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like we've got some fans that have called in, and that's a great thing to have happen. Um, as we're wrapping up the show and everything, and we're getting ready to go to our next show next week. But as everybody that's on the line, and we'll start with Nicole since you called in and we're wishing her luck and everything, can you please share with us um, your uh, thoughts and what kind of message you would like to just give to the world in general as we're thinking of the world on March 23rd. So uh, some sort of positive message that you would like to share with the world as we're wrapping up this particular edition of uh, the show here um, that we have every Monday night straight talk with Dean and Mark, unless there's something going on in our lives that causes us not to be here. But for the most part, we're here at least, I'd say, 48 to 47 of the 52 weeks of the year. So what kind of positive thought would you like to share with people if they're listening on a uh, out there that you'd like to share with them right now? So we'll start with you, Nicole. What kind of positive advice would you like to give? Well, I would just like to say that uh, life is about winning, and the way to win is to stay in grace. Um, it doesn't matter where you come from, um, what's going on in your life currently. Just know that you have a purpose, um, and if you continue, you will find that purpose. And just be positive. Just remain positive no matter what the circumstances or your situation looks like. Positive. That's some good, solid advice. Jay, what kind of advice would you like to give folks? Well, uh, I like to tell people that in this crazy time right now, to stay prayed up first and foremost, that uh, there's nothing that's going to happen to you that God doesn't want to happen to you. So whether that is your dreams, whatever dreams you're pursuing, stay prayed up, stay positive. And remember that if you continue to work at something hard enough, that it's going to reach your goals. And you have if you fail, don't worry about it because you can only succeed. You can't succeed unless you failed in something. So just believe in yourself, believe in God, and continue to work hard. And remember, just because you failed doesn't mean your journey is over. I appreciate that. Tanya, what kind of advice would you like to give? Well, I want to piggyback on that because being a believer, I know what he's saying is absolutely unequivocally true. This time for me is about God and family. And I think if we just stay connected with our loved ones or reconnect, those that haven't been in touch, reach out to your family and be connected in this time. It's going to be a very, very interesting time for families to come together 
get your goals and dreams, really see the power of what's going on in each other's lives, you know, and really be a support system to each other. I think this is a time for community, and community starts at home with family. So I think if we stay there in everything, you'd be surprised how much they don't know what's going on in your life, how much you're doing that they don't know about, and then see what's happening, you know, with the community. If you stay connected with the community and feel that, you'll be a beacon of help because we're going to really need to support each other. We all are in it together, and I think if we stay connected with our family and community, we're going to get through this. That's what I think. That's my positive word today. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that a lot, and I agree with you in the whole concept of connecting with family, and not just your physical family because yes. I am a big supporter of connecting with your physical family, be that uh, I don't have any kids of my own, but I do have uh, nephews, two nephews. I've got my younger brother and my dad and my are both still living, and my, I have aunts and uncles and cousins. But not just that physical immediate family, but also what I call your uh, creative family because I've got tons of play uh, nieces and oh, play God. nephews that I don't have any connection with. I know you have many of those as well. So I think oh, that this God. is time for us to maintain yes. those contacts and create something that will be a monster when, when it finally yes. comes out and folks see what we are creating in the end of 2020 and 2021. I think that they will be both impressed and amazed at what we're going to put out there. And I think it will honor a lot of our ancestors because I am a big believer in the power of the ancestors who are also watching over what we are doing. And we've lost some oh, great ancestors. I, I mentioned earlier, Bill Freelon, who designed or was one of the designers of the African-American Museum. He passed away in Durham. Baba Chuck Davis passed away, who was an amazing dancer. And that's just some of them. I would even put, you know, people like Kenny Rogers. They may be from another culture, but they were still now and have made oh, that or making that transition into the ancestral land. So we've definitely lost some powerful ancestors and uh, they are watching over us as well in the, in the, uh, the heaven, in the heavenly boundaries and everything. They are watching over us and kind of keep us grounded and going in the right direction. Also. I will say this real quickly, what you said right there is so powerful because there are so many young people that I've mentored in the 20 years just of Tolliver Entertainment. I think the reason I say what you just said is so powerful because you'd be amazed how many of them I had that five years old that are now 20 and 30 years old. Do you know that's part of my connected family now? And even my own family knows it. So what you're saying is so true. And they need us. They need us, and a lot of them don't even have, you know, contact with the, uh, people that they've known for a long period of time or family members have gone on or certain things, you'd be surprised how many broken young people there are. So our, whatever family you have with, with you mentor young people, whatever, that's all your community. That's why I said family community should be really important. It's, we all need each other. So that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Very true. Um, mm-hmm. If you could, uh, Dean, it's all you. What you got to say as we wrap up everything, you've heard a lot. I don't know if you got any last-minute comments other than the one that you always give us in your parting and everything, and a lot of what you, <laughs> you usually use as your usual going outline is something that we usually have anyway. So what you got to say as we close up this show, and then I'll see what I've got next week if I've got anything lined up. But what do you have to say about this particular episode? Outstanding episode, man. We thank all of our guests for uh, being with us. And uh, a straight talk with Dean and Mark, y'all. Make sure Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget our replay tomorrow on the Skyhawk Radio Network, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you missed that, you can catch us on a number of platforms to include Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, 
Pod Chaser, Podcast Addict, Castbox, and right here, Blog Talk Radio. Like I always say, when you walk outside your front door, it's showtime and the world is your stage. Just make sure that people are not watching the rehearsal. With that being said, it's the six man Dean Geronimo. Have an outstanding week. Wash those hands. We'll see you in seven days. We'll see you in seven days. I do not have a show yet created for the 30th, but you know I'm in conversation with several people, so you know that there will be another amazing show on the 30th. I do have somebody who will be discussing their music career on the first week in April, but don't worry. I am okay. in the process right now of being in conversation with some activists, some artists, some entrepreneurs, and some other folks. So I don't know exactly yet who the guests will be on the 30th, but you can be guaranteed that they will have something deep and profound to say as well. So please join us on the 30th, where we will have another amazing show. Peace. But until that time, 